some people have actually said to us, oh, Christ in the city, you guys are a project of the CFRs, right? Well, actually, no, but we have so many priests and religious who love Christ in the city and make their way to visit and serve with our missionaries. And Father Mark Mary of the CFRs is one of those. On his last visit, we invited him to record with us and the content was so good, we split it into two episodes. But before we dive in, I just wanted to let you in on something very exciting. Blake and I are going to be hosting Christ in the City's annual celebration fundraiser right here on Homeless But Human. This is an exclusive release and it will go to anyone who joins us as an annual celebration sponsor. We love producing this content for you and we'd love to do more of it. You can pause this episode real quick and go choose a sponsor level on our website at christinthecity.org slash annual celebration and you're in. I hope to see you guys on October 1st. Okay, so let's jump right into our conversation with Father Mark Mary. People of Christian City, people of every, everywhere around the world, this is David Christopher Pacheco. Hi, my name is Kimmy. My name is Arthur Ortiz. Been in Denver since 1973. Okay, so let's just talk in circles for a little bit. <laughs> let's talk in circles. Yeah. Just shoot the breeze a little yeah. bit. Now they see beyond what I look like. They see what my actions are and say, hey, that is a good person. A lot of people say home is home is where the heart is. But my heart's in many places. It's just I don't know where home is. Welcome back to Homeless But Human. I am Blake with my co-host. Hey everyone, it's Shayla. And we are so excited today. We have Father Mark Mary from New York City. He is a CFR brother. What was your first impression when you showed up and walked through the door here? I mean, coming from the CFRs, we know you're used to community life. We know you're used to serving the poor. But what, what was your thoughts? Well, my, it's actually like, I remember it vividly because I was sitting in like your kind of front welcome room. Yeah. I was hanging out on the couch or whatever. I just got in there and there was like some song playing in the kitchen and a couple of the missionaries with like their hoodies on <laughs> jumping up and down while cooking. And, uh, so it was just like, this is, I don't actually, it was very like, this is like a healthy place. This is a place of freedom. This is a place of kind of like joy and of life. And, um, yeah, that was, you could see that you could sense that yeah. moment one. Uh, that is to me the greatest compliment we could ever get about mm-hmm. our program is like, I could tell there's freedom here. And what is that freedom to be in the cheesiest way, but not cheesy at all who God created you to be. Right. And like, Oh, that freedom that just gets me so excited that you could see that in moment one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very Franciscan. Mm. And so I think that's part of it too, is that like in a, and it, it, it comes from being Franciscan, but also kind of the poverty and the simplicity and the living and working with the poor. Yeah. Is it does kind of, because kind of you kind of, have, you're not in control of so much stuff, it does lead to this kind of a greater actually freedom if it's done well. Mm. And so that's, that it certainly like experiencing it here also made me, made me feel at home. Mm. And so you're a Franciscan, right? I forget, you know, to our listeners, to our Christian City family out there. Um, so Father Mark Mary, a Franciscan, tell us a little bit about your order is, you know, we're not as familiar out here in Denver. Sure. Yeah. Franciscan Friars of the Renewal is the name of the community. We started in 1987. There was eight founders, kind of the most notable and known at the time were Father Benedict Groeschel and Father Andrew Apostoli. And since then we've grown, we're in a number of other countries. Yeah. There's about 140 of us and we we pray. We pray about four or five hours a day, daily Eucharistic, holy hour, adoration, and mass. We live together. And really probably the thing that maybe we do most kind of intensely of most groups is kind of our commitment to fraternity and to mm-hmm. that. And then from the prayer and from the fraternity comes our mission, mm-hmm. which would be 
evangelization, proclaiming the gospel, and also loving and serving the poor. And so all of us, we're going to live in areas noted for poverty, and we're all going to have some sort of what we call hands-on work with the poor. That's awesome. We're really excited to have you on today, especially to talk about serving the poor. You're definitely our expert here, and we know that this is something that you've committed your life to, and like you said, like it flows from the way of your life. And so what we want to talk about is why should people even care? Why should Joe, who maybe just works a normal nine-to-five job, care on his way to work back and forth? Why should he care about the homeless person? Why should he care about the poor around him? And yeah, I, I would just want to open up the floor and talk about that. If it's okay, what, what we'll do is, right, is because as we understand is maybe Christ in the city speaks a different language, like one type of language, we may oh, speak yeah. another language, is just kind of really quickly define, like when we're talking about like work with the poor, mm-hmm. like what, what does that mean, uh-huh. right? And I do think it's good just to kind of give it a, like a, a context because I, I kind of look at it as like there's three levels of it. There is this kind of like high level of like, kind of responding to some of the injustices and the cracks kind of in society through which uh, flow kind of poverty. And so this would be the work, which actually the church does have a role in of politics, of laws, of Mm -hmm. education. And I'd even put evangelization there because ultimately actually the change that needs to happen is that we have to receive and put on the minds and hearts of Christ. Mm -hmm. And from that will naturally flow um, kind of a lot of the healing that we need. So, so all of that is important. There's a part for the place, place for the church to be there. And then the kind of the next one would be kind of like actually like re- responding to the material needs of those who have fallen through the cracks, yeah. right? And so this would be the material assistance, this would be the food handouts, this mm. would be the shelters, uh, the free medical clinics, all of that sort of stuff. And then the third part, what we talk about would be like what I kind of look at is like almost like healing the cracks of the hearts of those who have kind of fallen through the mm-hmm. cracks, right? Which would be very mm-hmm. relational. So this is, this is where it's like it's going to be very much um, kind of smaller numbers and being with people knowing their stories and kind of really kind of healing hearts. Yeah. And so the church does have a place for all, for all of those. Us as, as uh, CFRs, and similarly, I think, to Christ in the City, we kind of feel called to those, those second two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, right, we do have the material assistance. Right. But we also don't do it in such mass that, like, like our shelter, for example, is going to have, like, 30, 35 beds as opposed to 300. So we can know all the guys' stories mm. and, right, and kind of really make sure we have some space mm-hmm. to, to heal the hearts. And so the church, when we're talking about loving the poor, we are talking about all of these. Yeah. You know? And so why, why, why care about it? Let's, let's go ahead and, and maybe a couple places to begin. Num, number, number, number one where I like to go is Galatians 2.10. And it's this Bible verse that didn't really pop for me. I didn't really get it until I'd been a friar for a number of years. And the context is this. Paul's had his conversion. He's been doing his thing to the Gentiles for a couple of years. Yeah. And then through a number of circumstances, he's going to come and he's going to meet with what they call the pillars of Jerusalem, right? So Peter, James, and John. And, and so they have their little meeting. They're all kind of on the same page. And what Galatians 2.10 says is this, is that they gave me the hand clasp of fellowship. They only insisted that I was mindful of the poor, the one thing that I'd always been sure to do. Mm. And that's striking to me because these are the people who... Huh who walked with Jesus, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, in St. Paul, who had this special grace of receiving the mind and the heart of Christ. And the thing that they, they highlighted and the thing that the early church highlighted that re- they received from Christ himself was that the church was to be, to have a, a special place and mindfulness for the poor. Mm. So, so that's kind of number one. Keep going. Yeah. And I, that just shows how foundational it is to the Christian life too. It's at the, like the roots of the church and in, in early, like in scripture, it's, it's foundational. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the gospel, you look at the life and the words of Jesus and um, 
I mean, how much of his time and energy were spent with the poor and the outcast mm-hmm. and the sinner and the broken, right? Mm-hmm. So this is this is just very much uh, who God is. Yeah. And and uh, the church has, as as the Father sent me, so I send you, right? So as as Jesus lived and as Jesus did, that's what we're that's what we're uh-huh. all called to. Okay. And so let's talk about maybe we can talk about like what what are the, the stakes? And there's a, there's a couple parts to it. Is is number one is I would say this is it's like why. You know, and I and I, I do think again. There's there's a couple components of it, right? Um, what is like the mission of Jesus? The mission of Jesus, which is the mission of the church, mm-hmm. and therefore what we're all called to share in, it is salvation, right? So He does come to save us, but He also comes um, in in another sense, speaking salvifically, to reveal to us uh, the heart and the face of the Father, right? And and the Old Testament uh, speaks to us about this, and and Jesus reveals us that God is a God who has a heart for the poor, yeah, right? And so. Um, if, what one of the stakes, if you will, is the authentic understanding of the character in the face of God, mm. right? And and it's been entrusted to the church. And so, if Christians are not doing this and living this way, the true identity and true nature and the true the true identity of God is not being revealed to the world. And so, there are other stakes that we're going to talk about. Wow! Yeah. But really, let's start there. Yeah. If <laughs> if we're not if we're not doing it, we're not actually the world's not going to know who, actually who God is. Right. Which is, as you say that, it's like, I don't know if you can get more dramatic than that. Uh, not in a, in a bad way or a pumped up way or a too, too overemphasized way, but it's like, don't we want the world to know who God is? Mm-hmm. You know, it seems so foundational. It's like, well, everyone would say yes, you know, yeah. emphatically they'd say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's, that's one part. A secondary part, which we'll kind of, we'll recognize and kind of continue, but is the reality of that that also like our brothers and sisters are our brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. right? And that they do have kind of a right to certain things in that we, even on a natural level, do have a responsibility. And it's just, I would say it's in accord with human kind of like with natural law yeah. for us like to actually care for and to to respond to the needs of the poor. So I, th- I do think that like, because we don't want to just have like these other kind of like stakes and alternative yeah. reasons. The reality is like people are people who are, are who are worthy, who are ends in themselves and worthy right. of love in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, Matthew 25, right? So Matthew 25, it's the, 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 the sheep and the goats, right? And, and what's Jesus telling us? There's like, okay, those who are saved, like, like when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was imprisoned and you visited me, all this sort of stuff, right? So those who kind of go on to eternal life, are those who essentially did the corporal works of mercy. Right. Yeah. Right. And then those who do not, those who are kind of sent off into condemnation are those who do not. And so, I mean, if, if we can't, we can't water down the gospel and we have mm-hmm. to just kind of be confronted by this is that one of the stakes is our own salvation, you know? And so, so like it, it Matthew 25 seems to look like that you can lose salvation by sin of omission. It's not just the bad things that you do, but it's actually yeah. the good things you don't do. Whoa. We're going to be judged on. And so it's, if we're talking about like why we should care, like Jesus is saying like, hey, like, like, like I care about, you know, this, this is very important, right? Uh-huh. This is essential. Loving the poor is not optional. And it wasn't one that was minced words either. That was very specific. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. And, and kind of, and, you know, picking up on that, Pope Francis and Evangelii Gaudium, I don't have the exact, yeah. exact quote here. He basically says, like, no one, because of your state in life or your bus- like your busyness or what, your occupation or whatever, can, has an excuse not to actually care for the poor in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what that looks like, again, can, there can be a lot of expressions of this. Yeah. 
but it is essential uh, and foundational to the gospel and to followers of Jesus to love and to have the heart of Jesus, which means that loving the poor is for all of us. Mm. I'm really curious because I totally agree. And, but we're all in different, in different places. And you said it, it can even look different for different people. How do you like discern that? How do you, um, we're all called to serve the poor and love the poor in a sense, but how do you know how much or like what to do for our, for our listeners, even just like, where do you, where do you start? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And it's, it's somewhat a difficult question only in so far as, and I think there's good news in this is that it's not, it's particular, it's not general. Okay. And so ultimately like the, 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 the most true answer is that when you actually are converted, right. And you actually and grow in Jesus living in you, like when you actually like love the poor with Jesus' own love, like you're going to love them as much and as like how you can, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to mm-hmm. kind of naturally flow into what we would call like this creativity of love. But but what I would say is this is for all of us, it does, and and from Jesus' own mouth, like it does have to be a priority, and it does have to be something that we kind of we press into and are are proactively and intentionally trying to make a part of our lives. Yeah. And so there are some people who are going to be called to do this in, in very kind of radical ways, given their, their whole lives. There are some people who write, because you can do all the Matthew 25 stuff and with like your own kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are seasons, for example, where this is the focus. And, and by actually just taking care of your little ones, like you're also yeah. doing this. Or, or you're teaching. Like, so it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a thousand things it can look like, but it actually is going to flow from an authentic love. Yeah, and that like we discuss, it, it's interesting. Back to that, where is your Calcutta? You know, we we talk about that a lot here. Of just like, how are you called to serve the poor? Because we all must. But I like the the thing you added that was like the preemptive to that is, when we love the Lord, we're gonna find ways. But the desire can come, even by like the more we love the Lord, the more that's going to flow out. Yeah, yeah, and I guess we can kind of go to some some more kind of principles and questions and obstacles, things like that to kind of get super practical right away if someone's like listening okay like what like where do I begin what do I do it's you know because it actually can be pretty frustrating for a lot of people because a lot of kind of the the classical works for the poor when we think of soup kitchens homeless shelters kind of like that prisons things like that there can be like a good amount of bureaucracy you know and so yeah let's be honest right yeah or there can just be like very like limits like like we run a shelter in the Bronx and there's not a lot of capacity for us to have volunteers. And so you can like, okay, I'm going to try and call one of these places, get involved. You hit some red tape, you hit like, you don't phone call back and then kind of you lose your momentum. Yeah. It yeah. can be discouraging. Yeah. Right. And so I, if, if you're kind of feeling like a movement towards this and a desire to respond and we do kind of, we do want to respond uh, as soon as possible. I recommend you like getting out your cell phone, looking at your numbers, who is somebody in your phone that could like really use a phone call. Mm. and just try and oh, make like yeah. a thir- try and make like a 30 minute phone call right like doesn't take any special skill set doesn't take any special resources and that's like a great a great way to begin i love that that is extremely practical and that even touches on like the poor is not just the homeless sure we we all have a special um care for the homeless and that's that's kind of like our niche in a sense, but the poor are everywhere. Mm-hmm. It could be, it could be your grandma or it could be, you know, an old friend or an old coworker or something like that. And just like reaching out, talking to them, calling them. That can be, that can be the poor in your life. Yeah. The, the spiritually poor, right. Are sometimes hurting just as much and have fewer people reaching out to them. And it's one where 
yeah, we see this all the time on the streets. I mean, I look at so many of our friends who come to lunch in the park every week and it's like, they don't come because they need a lunch at all. They're coming mm-hmm. because it's their only social event of the week, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like they're, they live in the neighborhood and they found the missionaries. They found this, these volunteers we have that come down and they just love it. They just feel known, right? They feel loved. They feel, it, dare I say like important, but not in a, you know, a pumped up worldly important, more like, no, you are important. You're, you're a son and daughter of God. And that's, that's why we serve you. Yeah. A, a second kind of starting point could be, and I actually do kind of think this is a really good idea, to be honest, um, is one of the reasons, one of the obstacles we don't, is just our, it's like our inertia kind of like in our movement is like human beings, especially busy human beings. It kind of like changes slowly. And so we tend to kind of have patterns and we keep staying in those patterns. And so be, like behavior change and pattern change is difficult. And so, you know, creating the space to do some kind mm-hmm. of creative brainstorming about like, okay, just to do some prayer, like what, like what do I want to do? Like how, mm-hmm. how is the Lord calling me to love the poor? And then finding out ways to do that. A, a real obstacle to it is just because we're kind of running. Right. Yeah. And so for, it could be once, a, it could be one time, it could be maybe something you do like once a week for a month is just to, to actually like schedule and set aside like 30 minutes of uh, basically like kind of like holy brainstorming. Hmm. It's like, okay, for this 30 minutes, I'm going to talk to the Lord. I'm going to pray about how he's inviting me to love the poor. And so I'm going to pay attention to like, what experiences I've had, what I feel drawn to. Again, is it prisons? Is it the homeless? Is it those, um, is it like those with sort of, sort of mental illness? Is it the elderly? Because the Lord, we want all of it. So do some brainstorming, do some prayer, and then start doing some research, some phone mm-hmm. calls. But but just to actually very intentionally create the space for that because that space isn't going to be created kind of on its own. Yeah. I Every lunch in the park that we have at the end of like the training that we do before we go to lunch, I always reaffirmed the volunteers like, Hey, your job per se at the park today is not to be on the food line or not to like do the physical, physical service in a sense. But your job today is to like go and be love and go and love someone new. And so father, I was wondering if you can just like talk a little bit into that, that kind of like that third part, kind of getting past that physical, that like the almost like first layer of helping someone and like getting that instant kind of gratification, like I handed this off to you. Like what is the importance of that deeper part of it, the deeper part of the service? Yeah, absolutely. And to kind of, I'm going to make a little runway up to that Mm -hmm. because I I think that one of the, a really key obstacle for a lot of folks is actually kind of an indifference. And it's not just like a cold indifference. It's just that when we speak of the poor as the poor, it's an abstraction. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of this, this group of, sort of uh, abstract people who I know intellectually are in need and I have some responsibility towards. But but it's when you actually kind of begin and kind of even like fight through that. Yeah. That, you know, for us, like like the poor aren't just the poor. For us, the poor are, are Carol and Mercedes and Joanne and Stephen yeah. and Anthony. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that they're on the end of actually getting to know them. They actually become like we have like new friends and we have yeah. a new family. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, working with the poor isn't just like a duty. It's like, Oh, this is a way for me to be with, to live family. You know, oh, it's, yeah. just, it's, it's just a totally different, like when the way a father loves their child, like it doesn't, it's not like a cold sort of dutiful thing. Right. Mm. And, and kind of to, to the question, right. Like, you know, for, for all of us, if I think we're honest, 
if we had all of the riches in the world and we're all by ourselves and no one knew our name and no one loved us and no one called us on our birthday, like we'd be sad and lonely and poor. Mm-hmm. Like we, we all are created to be known and to be loved. And, and there is a reality that if you have everything it, it, without love, like, do you have really anything? But you can have, you can have very, very little. But if people know you and people know your story and love you, that can be an ins- incredible source of, of strength and of healing. And there's the idea of belittling the gift of a conversation with somebody. And that's something that I know you guys know. And, and we know, like, we've had some yeah. guys come through and it's like, you know, out there, like, People look, treat us as trash. We're out there. People treat us as nothing, but like, but you treat us as champions. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so real. <laughs> and, and so we, we just to even look somebody in the eye and to give them some time, like for some of our friends on the street, like that may not be something they experience throughout their entire day. Yeah. And that might be something that is like their daily bread to get them to the next day. Oh man. It's like what once was an abstraction of the poor is now personal. Mm-hmm. It's now their friends. It's their every day. And it, it takes it to that next level of like, no, this is something I do care about because it is personal to me. These are people that I know. And because I know them, I can love them. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of the, and that maybe this is kind of, at least for me, maybe a kind of a last thought that I want to make sure is, is emphasized is that for a variety of reasons in the church, normally when we talk about loving and serving the poor, we do kind of propose it as a duty and responsibility mm as something like we need to do because Jesus said it or something we need to do because we don't want to go to hell or because whatever. But, but the reality is that when you, when you actually, there's a reason Christ in the city missionaries, it's a reason why Franciscans are noted for, for joy. And, and there is, there is a, a huge wealth and a huge gift and a, uh, like an abundance, an abundance of, of, of receiving that is only found in giving. Right. And that's mm-hmm. the gospel. And that's just that's just true. And and the encounter of Christ and the encounter of our own kind of like when we love the poor, it just gives it does gives like a beautiful insight into our own capacities and our own yeah. hearts, you know. And so the end of this, like the why is is because the poor deserve to be loved because that's all, all human beings do, because we want to make sure that the world knows Jesus. But also one of the fruits of this is going to be joy and it is going to be like we end up receiving much more than we've given. So much more. So much more. Even in your own life, Father, how would you say what's this like, yeah, like this joy you've received? I mean, I'm sure what what has been the most surprising joy you've received or aspect of that? Yeah, I think to put it quite simply, it's the the joy of being a father. Mm. You know, the it's as me as like a, a celibate or a spiritual father or a father of the poor, like there is a, there is a fullness that doesn't come from me receiving, but it comes from me like loving and having these relationships. And I have, you know, children. And it's like, mm. other than the fact that I just have these people in my life and I love and they fill my heart. Like, you know, if you ask like a, a father or a mother, like why, why, like, what do you like most about your, your yeah. whatever it is? Like, actually I just, everything about it. It's just yeah. being a father of the poor and it is real and it is fulfilling. And so I would just say, like, quite simply, it's kind of all capitulated, all summarized kind of in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, and I think that's a, Father, that's a great reminder. We can sometimes make it sound dutiful, though, you know, serving the poor. It's like, oh, I have to do it. I, If I don't do it, you know, the, there's that fear of hell. And at the same time, it's like, those who have served the poor, all of them are like, I received so much. Mm-hmm. It it enriched my life so much. I couldn't imagine not doing it anymore. 
you know, and it's, and it's not even, that's not even a selfish reason. It's just more like this part of life is so enriching, so loving. It is just, it opens your worldview. And I, yeah, as you say that, it's like, yet it's challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, never once is it not expected to be challenging. And there are great days. And there are those days where you're like, I don't know if I actually made a difference because we just want to make a difference, you know, mm-hmm. but the humility in that too. Yeah. And I'm grateful you said that because I think they're both true is it is incredibly enriching and encouraging and all of that. But also it's not, we don't want to over romanticize it. No, no. Especially like when you're really working, you know, with the poor and, and, you know, we work with some youth and sometimes like you're not going to see, they're not going to end up being daily communicants. They're not going to end up being Sunday mass goers. No. You know, sometimes like you may not see any tangible fruit and that can be difficult, but but the Lord just calls us like to love them. Yeah. You know, and, and just to keep loving people. And that's, and, and that's not just because of like what we're going to get out of it or what they're going to get about it. It's just because it's, it's, uh, it's Christian, it's human. It's the, it's the right thing. Yeah. And even there, it's yeah. like you said earlier, like the thing that you get the most out of is like that fatherhood, right? That you're a father and it's like, well, we are called to, as a father, you're called to love. You know, I, we just, my wife and I just had our first baby and it's like, it is really hard to believe that we're not responsible for the success. You know, it's just like, it's so ingrained in us of like, Oh, if this, if my child isn't successful, this child, this gift from the Lord, it's like the, at the end of the day though, it's like, Whoa, 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 that, Whoa. That's not how the Lord gives it all. Mm-hmm. You know, he just gives as a father and loves and forgives and shows mercy. And he's there in the good days and the bad days. And it's like, yeah, there's, there's not that success aspect. But when we remember that, that we can like fulfill our motherhood and our fatherhood and our identity as brother and sister, it's like, you know, we're not judged on, you know, well, how, how well did you do doing that? No, yeah. it's well, how much, how did, did you love? Mm-hmm. Can, can I share a story on that? Oh, absolutely. Please. It, it's, a, it's a story. One of our priests, he was a deacon at the time, shared in a homily. And it was about, uh, we have friaries down in Honduras, Nicaragua. And in Honduras, there was, there's just so much need where we are that we're kind of like, brothers, sisters, uncles, fathers to a whole group. But we had, uh, we had this one woman who's kind of in and out. We're helping her a lot who, who was prostitute and and, and addict. Right. And so she's kind of in and out and she has a daughter and, um, we try and help the family and we're trying to help the daughter. And, you know, for, for some seasons, like the young girl, she kind of gets into school and she's doing all right, but you know, but, and she's going to the youth group, et cetera. And as she kind of becomes an, a a teen kind of into her mid teen, she just kind of like kind of disappears yeah she Mm -hmm. she ends up going into the same lifestyle Mm -hmm. as her mother and so she's kind of like and then you know maybe every every year or so she'd pop back in we kind of get her set up and help her out but but this was just the cycle and so she was always kind of in and out of drugs always in and out of that that lifestyle and she ended up you know through it getting sick and as as still a you know fairly young woman uh, she was dying and 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 the brothers were invited and the priests were invited and they were mm-hmm. able to visit her on her, on her deathbed and to give her, you know, the, to give her, um, the anointing of the sick, to give her confession, to give her viaticum. And, and what the, what the priest said, which I think is beautiful is that like when we love the poor, it may not mean that they live different. It might, it might mean that they die differently, you know? Oh my gosh. And, and so, you know, she, in, in all kind of, in, in one sense, it wasn't a success story. But through the brothers and through kind of the community's persevering love of her, she had an experience of, of the heart of God, mm. you know. And so when 
When Jesus and when the Lord was brought to her in her final days, she knew that she was being invited to a relationship with a loving God, a forgiving God, a merciful God. And so she was kind of free to be welcomed by him, to receive the sacraments and ultimately to die a holy death. And wow. and so there is there is a reality that we just don't, we, we can't, if, if the fruit of our work is that people have an experience of who God is, right? Again, it may not change the yeah. way they live, but it may change the, the way they encounter him at, at their death. Wow. I, that is, that's beautiful. I, it just like makes me think that and recall that God doesn't waste anything. Like your gift that is freely given, the gift of yourself, the gift of your time spent with people, that's never wasted. He uses it. And it might, it might be like at the, the final moments of, of her life, but it's not wasted. What a quote. Yeah. You know, sometimes ser- serving the poor may not change the way they live, but may change the way they die. Oh, that is so remarkable. We may have to throw that on a wall here. Yeah. We may need a whole nother podcast. <laughs> whole, yeah. Whole nother. <laughs> that opens up so much in the best of ways. Wow. Well, good. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And, and what a Amen. gift it is to be kind of given a front row seat, like such a privileged seat at the, to the work of God, you know, and that, that for us and for those in mission who are, who are really living it, you know, yeah, it's, um, Jesus loved the poor. Jesus work isn't just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but it is these real experiences that we continue to, to have. Like John says at the beginning of his letters, like, this is what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've touched, what I've come to know. Like the gospel isn't just an abstraction. It's also the reality that Mm -hmm. we've experienced. And so I, I I know who Jesus is because of who he's revealed himself to be, but I've also seen him be who he says he is in, in my life, you know, and what, what a gift that is as well. Yeah. Amen. Amen. My goodness. Father, just thank you so much for, for coming on this episode and sharing what a beautiful vocation. Yeah. Your, your journey, the Lord has called you onto the CFRs was, and also sharing it with us. Yep. Thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners who tuned in today. And I hope we got a few more because Father was on the podcast today. We know that you are, are loved by many, but that also you you shared the, the love of God very uniquely. So thank you so much, Father. Thanks, Sheila. Mother Teresa, one of our patrons would say, if I look at the masses, I will not act. If I look at the one, I will. Because of these one-on-one encounters, because of people like you stepping out of your comfort zone, This mission is spreading. This mission is making its way into parishes, schools, seminaries, and communities nationwide. We have families making care kits for the homeless, college students coming on week-long mission trips and then going back on fire to serve the poor in their cities, seminarians in small groups across the country doing Christ in the City-style street ministry. This mission is becoming a national and worldwide endeavor And we're so happy you're here. For even more in-depth Christ in the City training, videos, and interviews with the homeless, we invite you to join our known and loved monthly giving community. This is one of the most impactful ways you can join us in this mission. Visit ChristInTheCity.org and make a monthly gift today to join our known and loved community and receive a special Christ in the City gift. Imagine with me for a moment if every homeless person had one friend who cared about them. What a difference that would make in the world. And what if that one friend is you? You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, podcast platforms, and do us a favor and go hit subscribe and leave us a review. God bless you.